Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl Janine, aka Janine Luby. And this week is something somewhat relatively kind of new for me. I don't really know my guests that well. So as you're getting to know her, I will be getting to know her as well. Um, But I should say that, as you know, if you're a listener, and if you're just becoming a, a new listener, I'm welcome and thank you. I like to promote uh, women on my podcast primarily. I do allow a couple men to sneak in every now and again um, who are worthy, so to speak. Um, but no, I like to promote women. That's my thing. And I hope that you'll take away something. You'll be, learn something. You'll laugh a little bit. And this month, especially April, is National Humor Month. So I really wanted to focus this month on women who are using humor in their lives in some form or, or another funny women. Um, March 31st, last uh, couple weeks ago, you did hear from my friend Oliver. He's not a comedian. He's an actor though, but he and I love to laugh. So he kind of helped kick things off on the eve of April 1st. Um, but I really want to promote women. I do ladies comedy nights at wineries. In fact, on May 5th, I will be anybody out there in the Poconos at uh, Mountain View Vineyard and Winery. I will be there with the fabulous Megan Getz, who's in the Philly area. She recently did uh, an album, her first comedy album, One Last Rad Thing. She's awesome. I was introduced to her by Roya, who are actually, no, let me back it up. Megan introduced me to Roya and you heard from Roya this month as well. So a lot of funny people out there, a lot of funny women, especially is what I want to focus on. So without further ado, I would like to welcome my guest this week. And she goes by so many names. I really don't want to screw this up, but she is formally Elizabeth Marcon. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks, Janine. Thanks for having me. Well, and you go by different names. So after, after now I've given you this introduction, can I call you Liz? Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Yes, I can you call you clearance. Liz. <laughs> you <laughs> I have clearance. clearance. Yeah. We talked earlier about people just, you know, presuming how they can call us or different people and, and how you have different friend groups and you have professionals and you know, you want to be known a certain way and that makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I use a stage name sometimes of a Liz Howard, which is just obviously my first name shortened and my middle name, which is my mom's family name. And sometimes I go by Lizzie, Diz. It really just depends. I've had, you know, one person here and there call me Libby. (laughs) So somebody in law school called me Betty. I mean, you know, no one else is allowed to call me those names except those, those Those people. Yeah. That's a name though. And again, not to get off on a top, but Elizabeth is one of those names where I was thinking about it before we got on. Cause I don't know you. And I'm like, okay, I know an Elizabeth who goes by Beth and you know, you could be like, that's, you know, that's one name that packs a lot. It, it's, it's worth a lot. You have so many different variations you could use. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I can be a completely different person one day to the next. If I want to be, no I like one would that. know. <laughs> I like that. Well, before we get into like the humor stuff and the funny stuff and how I actually, I'll mention how I got to know you, well, got introduced to you, but I would like to ask first, cause I've gotten away from this. Um, I don't talk a lot about wine and right now it's more, it's actually afternoon. It's not morning. That's, oh my God, my Monday's gone so quickly. Uh, we're recording this in the afternoon on a weekday. Now don't get me wrong. You know, it's not like I wouldn't drink on a weekday afternoon normally. Um, well, normally I wouldn't, but on vacation I would, (laughs) but right now I'm having coffee. So we're not drinking wine, but I know that you said you are a wine drinker. So I'd like to ask you to share with our audience. What are some of your favorite wines? Yeah. So I started getting into wine probably right after college. You know, you start with the wine progression, right? Like in college, you, you have mad dog 2020 and then you move up (laughs) Thunderbird. Yeah. And then you move up to like 
Boone's Farm. Uh, we drank Strawberry Hills in college. And then eventually you're ready to try like some real wine in a box. Uh, and then you go to the <laughs> Pinot Grigio. <laughs> so, so I've definitely had some time now to refine my tastes. And I'm really into Barbarescos. Um, I also do, I do like white wine still. And I, I, I love to try sort of interesting wines from all over the place. But a few things that, that stand out are Oregon Pinot Noirs. They're more like French style. Obviously the Barbaresco that I mentioned, but all the Italian wines I feel like are great. And I love a Gruner Veltliner from Austria. I also yes. love to just say Gruner Veltliner. So. Isn't that a great name? That I love saying Gewürztraminer. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, also a good one. <laughs> my friends make fun of me because they think, you know, it's like me getting to be pretentious. Like when we went to the Finger Lakes, it was like a lot of Riesling, but I was like, oh, do you have any Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, Viognier? They're like, you just like saying that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm bragging a little bit. <laughs> I do like those though, but I'm, I wish I was more of a red wine drinker because I feel like it's still if you want to call wine healthy, I think, I feel like it's still more heart healthy and has less sugar, but I just like white wines. I can't help it. Like they're my favorites. You can't beat it on like a summer afternoon. I want something crisp and refreshing. And I pretty much like put the reds away from May until October. Yeah. They go away with the whites. Although we don't follow that anymore with the white clothing after Labor Day and Memorial Day. That, those are the old rules, right? You can't wear white after yeah. Labor Day or before Memorial Day. Now it's like, I can wear it whenever the hell I feel like it. Right. Yeah. I've let the white jeans slip here and there. <laughs> well, I can't wear them. They're not the most flattering on me. So I won't worry about when those get pulled out because they won't, but, <laughs> but I should say that I, I met virtually, I met Liz, um, a few weeks ago. Um, I, uh, you know, you might hear this month from, uh, you've heard from Aliyah Brown, who is a great comedian in the Lehigh Valley area and Roya Hamadani, both two very funny women in Lehigh Valley. And I met Roya and then she kind of pulled me into a little bit, the Lehigh Valley, uh, stand-up women's group. And through that, I've met other women like Aliyah and uh, a couple other gals who are very funny, Nancy Orline, who I've had in my show. I've had her on the podcast. In fact, she's got the highest ranking, most listened to podcast talking about how she uses humor and she's been through breast cancer and she's, she's just very sharp with it. So we were online one night, a few weeks ago, it was just a get together for women. And it's a great place. If you want to check out on Facebook, Lehigh Valley Stand Up women, we were talking about humor and Liz was on there and I got to meet her. I love what she had to say about humor. Um, but Liz, let me ask you, you took a writing uh, or a comedy writing workshop, right? With Roya Hamadani and Aliyah Brown. And at the, I think it was at the Steel Stacks, if I'm right. Is that, right. So first tell me what led you to even take the workshop. And then let's talk about like what you got from it, how you're, you know, incorporating that into life and everything. So it's kind of like a, a loaded question. Yeah. And uh, first of all, I'm so honored to be like part of this peer group that includes Roya and Aaliyah because I'm so new to comedy, uh, I guess more in a more organized way, um, but they're very funny and they were able to impart so much knowledge. And um, I feel really honored to like be in their company as a guest on your show. So thank you. Um, I, I knew a comic in law school and I went to you know, various open mics and showcases with him. And a lot of times he didn't perform. We were just going together or sometimes he did. 
but I just got introduced to the scene and that was in New York. So it was a great place to be kind of watching and learning. And I always felt like I've got like a funny soundtrack going on in my head all the time. Uh, but I wasn't sure how I could make that come out. And I knew that there were some rules for writing stand-up. I've done a little improv in the past and you know, the, the yes. And we all know that if you've taken any improv and, yep. um, I always remember an example of someone who said no in an improv and it was very funny, but then like the skit was dead. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And not to go off topic there, but like, yes. And I like to talk about that. Even like I've written a few blog posts about it's really great in life in general, because we tend to want to say no too much instead of taking what someone gives us and seeing what we can do with it. So yeah, that is, it's great training, I think for life in general, but I'm sorry, go back to, yeah. so, so you had a little background in improv as well. Uh, I did. And so, and I also did some just kind of like funny skit comedy. I lived in Steamboat Springs way back when for a few years and in a smaller community, you know, it's a little easier to kind of break in and find some space. And I just met some of these uh, other funny performers and we did a mountain melodrama together and we did the skits. <laughs> that fun. Kind of, oh, it was so fun. <laughs> Um, my, my castmate and I still call each other by our, you know, our names and the, our characters names every once in a while we check in, but it's, it's so it's, you know, it's been there and I just didn't know, like, how do I bring it into my life now? And I thought that stand up would be so terrifying. And then I started taking the class and realized like, okay, I do a lot of public speaking in my job. I do seek the spotlight. I've always been someone who likes to get out there, even if I feel, um, I don't know, I, I feel sometimes like maybe I shouldn't, or there's just something, we, we'll probably get into that later on in the show, just like what's kind of like holding me back and making me feel a little bit, uh, you know, like I, I shouldn't be so, so out there. Um, I, I saw an ad for the class, and I thought it was a three hour workshop, just a one day thing. So I begged my husband to let me do it because we have four little kids. So, you know, it's a lot if I'm gone on a weekend for three hours. And then I got there the first day and they're like, okay, so next week and next week I'm looking at the syllabus. I'm like, yeah, I thought a five minute comedy set was pretty aggressive for only three hours. <laughs> but the price didn't seem too expensive either. So it's just like this really great entree to just learn some things and build some confidence and, you know, learn to like let the guard down. So I didn't feel so inhibited. Like, I think that's the issue that I have is like, you shouldn't put yourself out there because it could be embarrassing or you might be bad at it. And I thought I would give it a shot. That's Hey, you know, and that's a natural feeling. Um, I I've told many people that my first time doing standup was in Houston and I live in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it was my second visit. It took my second visit. So like, and, and I had been wanting to do comedy for years as a kid. I, you know, I'm not going to do the whole, like, we're not on the therapist couch here. My parents didn't encourage me. I don't want to like start blaming, but like, you know, when I grew up, I was, I was smart. I was book smart, but there was no other kind of, and I didn't talk about it. I would write stuff. And I used to want to write like funny greeting cards when I was a kid, I was like, Oh, that'd be fun. Or doing stand up. And then I was a shy person. I say, I always say, I don't know if I was an extroverted introvert 
or an introverted extrovert. I don't know which I am because I was the type that I would raise my hand in school, but I wouldn't, you know, I didn't do any theater. I wasn't very outgoing. And in college, I was on the school newspaper, but I didn't perform. And even after I came home after college, I found improv and I did it, but I was still scared to try my standup. And when I went to Houston, the first time my friend said, come on, you got to go this laugh stop or laugh spot. I forget what it was called in Houston and try it. Monday nights was open mic night. I said, no, next time I went, I did it, but I couldn't even practice in front of my friend for what I was going to do that night. I was in the other room facing her window while she faced her TV that was off. And that's how I had to do it. And I was like, Hey, I'll try this. If it sucks, I go home. I don't do it again. It actually worked out well. And uh, I came home and I was like, okay, I'll start doing it more in Pennsylvania. So I totally get that fear. And I mean, I think that's normal, you know, I think, and again, I don't want to get off on, cause I tend to get off on gender things. I know people are going to like, Kelly, oh, she hates men, but like men just kind of have more confidence or at least they act like they do where I think women, we seek permission too much. And we, we, ask forgiveness too much. And we're like, Oh, I don't know if I could do that where we really, I mean, people are starting to, women are starting to be bolder, I think, especially the younger generation, but like, Hey, the spotlight should be ours. We should take it. So I I think it's awesome that you, that you were able to take the workshop and and get out there. And how did it, like, how did it influence you and how did it, um, like, how did it work out for you? Obviously it was a good experience. Yeah. Just being in the room with other people that are writing jokes and, you know, seeing the process evolve. So when we first came up with our, our ideas and our ideas, and we went through some writing exercises the first week or two, and just critiquing some comics and just seeing like, basically these are very successful people, professionals that we're watching clips of, and just seeing like this worked and here's why. So just little things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily approach just being an audience member the same way that we did as, you know, students now trying to learn the craft. Um, so just seeing the evolution over the weeks of, you know, this is my idea. This is how I started writing the joke. And this was the end result and how it just gets pared down to like its barest, funniest bones. Uh, and then also adding in the performance aspect of it. And what I really realized was that you can't act it out until you know what it is. So if you're still learning the words or learning how you're going to say something, you're never going to be able to like get comfortable in your skin of then be becoming the performer. So just, you know, the memorization is key. And then of course you have to not sound like you memorized it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sound natural, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wanted to pick up on what you said about, you know, how women approach being on stage and trying to be funny and what, how men do it. And I've been to an open mic more recently where I felt that you know, there's probably about half and half female and male performers. And I feel like the women that went on stage, they had a set and they told their jokes and they were very polished. And a lot of the men went up and they just kind of riffed and they talked about how they were comics and how they were funny. And like, what are they going to talk about tonight? And you're like, that's not funny. Like, but you, you know, people treat men differently than they treat women. And so they kind of, they have like that space to get away with that. But then we just keep perpetuating this cycle of like men get respect just by walking into a room and women have to earn it. I mean, I don't know how to change that. I just noticed that like basically the women were way funnier. (laughs) I get that. And, And I agree with you. It's hard because it's, I've met many women who are like, and at first I was kind of annoyed or mad and you can't approach it that way. Like where I was, you know, I feel that like with my show, especially I want to focus on women because I still feel that women 
uh, don't get the respect. We don't get the pay and all that. So I think this is necessary, but then other people are like, but, but it's, you know, that's not helping. And yeah, I don't know. There are different thoughts on it, but it's like, I I don't know what the answer is, but again, everybody do their own thing. It's like, Hey, anybody listening, you want to do a podcast and do it differently by all means. But it's like, it's, it's not unusual to go to a comedy show and see all male comics. Cause it's like, yeah, that's it. But you don't often, you're starting to see more where it's all female comics, or, you know, you might see one woman and a bunch of men and that it shouldn't be. And that's kind of like the norm. So it's like, even with my ladies comedy nights, I've had people go, Oh, I've literally had men go to me. Oh, so is it just women that can come to this? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, that's my plan. Like, that's what I want. (laughs) Oh, like, sorry. And, and I've had, thankfully I've had women afterwards, the show say, thank you for, for this environment. Like people felt safe. Like, I don't want to make it sound like to whatever they, but they felt safe and they felt like just a nice sense of camaraderie. So, and again, I don't want to get off on that. It's just like, do what you do, but I still feel this is kind of necessary. Like I want to triumph and promote women because it just, in my opinion, it's still needed. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And just like a place where you can tell your jokes that may not really land on say a younger, especially, but a younger male audience. And like, yeah, Yeah. we've had different life experiences. So to be able to kind of feed off other women's stories. And I mean, it just keeps getting funnier if you're all telling different jokes, but kind of on the same themes to do that together. Yeah. I don't know. I, I already sense like so much community with the female comics that I've met and it just feels really great to be like welcomed into this. Um, especially cause this is kind of funny. Uh, like just goes along with what I've been saying here and like how I'm like so humble and so happy to be part of this community. So one of my good friends who came to our grad show, you can hear him laughing. Uh, and it's, it, you know, my set is the one I was focusing on, of course, <laughs> you can hear him laughing because he's close to the camera, but afterwards he's like, uh, I never thought of you as a funny person, but I've laughed harder than I had in years. And I'm like, you never thought of me as a funny person. Like, what have I been doing wrong? Like <laughs> there was just such a disconnect and I'm like, I've never made him laugh before. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just his perception or maybe we were always in, you know, different environments where I didn't get to like bust out my funny person. I don't know. Well, and I don't think, I think it's a, you know, I mean, sometimes some of us keep it more separate, I guess I could say like, because I'm more of a shy person, people who don't really know me would know, go you, you do comedy. Or even friends who know me that do it. Well, not my favorite thing is when they do come to see a show, if they say to me afterwards, wow, that was like really funny. Like, like it was a shock that, that, wow, that was funny. Or one of my friends, he's an intellectual and I love him because he's a great listener or whatever, but I bust his ass constantly when he uses the word actually, oh, that was actually funny. I'm like, oh, was it actually funny? I, I just, it drives me up a wall because it's like, oh, wow. You're impressed that I had that ability to make you laugh. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't you just tell me like, well, normally you're so lame (laughs) (laughs) now. So you did your set and I'm, I'm, I want to see it. I didn't actually get to see it. Um, I, hopefully there's a video I can watch, but so what did you end up doing your set about? Like what was, um, your material based on and, and how did that go? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So my, I did it kind of in three different jokes and they mainly go around just getting older, wiser, uh, and also parenting. So at first I talked about how my two-year-old tortures me um, and you know, just some of our interactions that we have, which I think anyone who's known a two-year-old could relate to, even if they 
didn't still nurse their two-year-old as I do. <laughs> so that was, that was one theme. And then another was just getting older and but like still learning things about life and how you have to clean your appliances and, and who knew. And funniest thing is that I, I talk about cleaning the condenser coils on your fridge. And just this past weekend in the Wall Street Journal, I get the weekend edition. Uh, and I don't agree with the politics, but the news and the sort of the off-duty, their style section is really great. But in there, it talks about like keeping your fridge like fresh and having to clean the condenser coils. I'm like, no, 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 you can't go mainstream. That's my joke. And I'm like, <laughs> no, now it's everywhere. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, and then the third one is just a funny interaction that my husband and I had in New York and uh, how, you know, on the street, I had an interaction with somebody just like strangers, you know, I don't know, you just have like the weirdest conversations and interactions in New York and it happens there and not anywhere else. And this one kid, one time he said to me, can I ask you a question? And I said, nope. And, and then he got really <laughs> mad. He like turned on me and he said, shut up. <laughs> But my husband, so the joke, you know, it's, it's not true, but my husband is so like helpful on the street, you know, like someone will come near him and he'll be like, do you need help? Do you need directions? I'm like, you don't even live here. How are you going to help that person? <laughs> but he's just so willing to help. And I'm so willing to say, nope, not today. <laughs> but you probably work well together then. <laughs> exactly. So it's about like the contrast and, you know, the, the, the opposite attraction that we have in our marriage. <laughs> how did the set, like, how did the performance go for you? Like, how did, it, how did it feel um, afterwards? Were you like proud, relieved? How was the whole thing? Like, how did that feel for you? Yeah, I was on cloud nine. So one of uh, my classmates, I guess you could say, she was saying, you know, she was super nervous. And she said, so I read this thing that said, if you're, um, if you're, if you're nervous, it's more like try to turn it into excited energy rather than like fear and anxious energy. So I thought about that. So you tell yourself like, I'm really excited to go up on stage. And even though I wasn't feeling super nervous in the moment, I had a little butterflies like, okay, I have to go up there and remember my set. And it's new because I'm interacting with the audience and am I going to make eye contact and are they going to laugh in the right places or the wrong places? And they did both. Um, so, you know, I got up there though, there was just so much energy. I mean, it's, it's our friends and family. It's the best audience you'll ever have. Roya, you know, explained that as well. Like this is going to be like a long, warm hug of an audience. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just get out there and like be yourself. Um, and once I got started, I just, you know, I, I just like fed off their energy and I knew I was surprising people with the jokes and you know, my, my first one starts off kind of dark, like you don't know where it's going to go because the intro brings up child abuse, which sounds terrible, but it's just about like reading articles about child abuse and how I always read them. I look at them because I just like, I need to know what happened to the kids. I just get sucked in. And it's like a clickbait thing for me as a lawyer and a mom. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I knew like, I'm taking a risk with this first joke and will they like me? And they laughed at like inappropriate parts. And I was able to just like make a comment about it. And then everything was fine. And at the end I was like, when do I do it again? <laughs> Isn't that the best feeling? Like, especially when it, and, and Roy is right to that point, like having such a welcoming supportive audience 
you know, it's going to go well. And that is like, that is such a nice feeling like to have that. It really does feel good. And you do have such high energy with it afterwards. I know after I perform, it's like, I always say kind of like after running, cause I run and it's like, or after laughing, I wish I could bottle it because again, I don't know how you felt the next day, but for me, like I'll feel it, but it doesn't last super long. And I'm not trying to like be a doubter, but I'm just like, by the next day, I mean, I'm exhausted, but I still, I don't have that high. So that high would be great if we could like extend it, you know what I mean? It's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was exhilarating. Um, and it did inspire me to want to do it more and feel like, okay, I can really do this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually funny. (laughs) (laughs) Then, you know, I did the same set at an open mic. I wanted to try it, uh, against like a not as friendly audience and it, I wasn't as comfortable that time and the audience was farther away. So it was the open mic um, free jokes at steel stacks. And so you've got a light in your eyes. You can't, you can see people in the first few rows, but you can't see everyone. And, you know, the laughter is coming from like farther away. So, you know, there's like that, there's like that delay. (laughs) So so you don't get like the instant feedback from the audience. And it was obviously a different audience too. And and so like the, you know, the, the first joke definitely took a little longer to get into and, um, you know, and I was glad to do that just to see like, how do I react with a different audience? And I probably, like, I felt a little more nervous and a little less comfortable and probably in that regard, like not as funny, but at the same time, I knew I had to just, you got to try the same jokes and see what happens. And every time you're on stage and you get no matter what the feedback is that you get, it's going to make you better for the next time you're on stage and the next interaction that you have, whether with an audience member, or you're not expecting it or whether you are like, it's just every time you're out there makes you better. And uh, I mean, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. I've <laughs> been out there twice now. <laughs> as a stand-up so, comic. You're like, yeah, man, every, every two times I've been out there, you know? <laughs> No, but what you're saying is right. And I, but the one thing I would say, and it's not like, yeah, some audiences suck. I don't know. I don't want to say that, but I do want to say that not every person is going to laugh at every, every comedian's joke or get it. And that's okay. Oh, I just lost an ear. Oh, my earbud. There we go. Um, because I, I remember doing jokes and like some of the ones that used to be like real high points in shows and then being somewhere else and they barely got a laugh. And I was like, Oh, what did someone trip on my mic? Did they not hear how hilarious that was? But I mean, and you, you realize that sometimes that's, I don't want to say sometimes it's okay, but we have to, I think we have to be okay with that. Right. Because it's like, not every person is going to appreciate it. Not every audience is going to appreciate it. Maybe they're extra tired. Maybe they're not, you know, whatever. And, uh, and just be like, that's okay. That's okay. And in fact, it's probably, it's a better world that we all have these different ideas and different senses of humor anyway, because we all have these different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I, um, I play music too. So I've been, okay. you know, I'm used to the, the audience interactions. And so, you know, you can sense a good audience when you're just starting out and sometimes they seem not that great and they really warm up and they turn great. So, you know, I'm used to that feeling um, at least. So, you know, I think, and, and also obviously my professional experience, like being a lawyer and being in court and having to speak publicly and like open court in front of, you know, a hundred people sometimes that probably aren't listening at all, but you know, maybe <laughs> probably the judge isn't even listening. <laughs> Actually true story. So I was doing an argument a few weeks ago and 
there were times when the judge was looking at me very intently and he's, he's very old. He's, there's actually like a, a retirement, mandatory retirement for the judiciary in Pennsylvania. And he's going to have to retire at the end of this year. So these senior judges, they're called, they were kind of part-time and he's on this case. And he was staring at me where, where I was almost a little self-conscious about it. Like, oh, wow, I've really got to dazzle this guy. I've got his attention. And then like three minutes later, he's, he's like nodding off in his chair. <laughs> I think I saw him twitch. Like he's legitimately asleep. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. And I did get a little flustered at that moment. I was like, just power through. <laughs> so there should be no audience then that scares you after that kind of stuff. My gosh, look, look, look what you have to do in your professional life. <laughs> right. right. I think so. Like the judge being asleep and the problem was too, like I couldn't make a joke because there were a bunch of people on the phone and you just, you know, you can't, if I said something in person and people on the phone heard it, but they didn't know what I was talking about, it just would have been embarrassing probably for the judge, which is the last thing you want to do. <laughs> so, but I really wanted to be like, hey, psh, psh, I'm gonna take a lap. <laughs> I don't know, start singing or something. So you mentioned that can we talk for a minute or two about your um you've done mute like what are you uh, a musician? Do you play? Do you sing? What do you do besides yeah, the comedy? So, I mean musician, like any word that I use to describe myself seems a little aggressive these days <laughs> because, <laughs> because you know the job the family it takes a lot of time out of my hobbies and the pursuits that I would really rather be doing uh not that I you know don't enjoy my kids because sometimes I do but <laughs> that's okay I don't like kids no I'm just kidding I don't have any so I always say I only like the kids I know you know what I mean like I'm not someone that's like oh a baby to me no I'm good I'm not, oh yeah you I keep love your baby babies, over there <laughs> I have found that I enjoy other people's children a lot more and and I get it like they're nice to you and they want to show you stuff and they want to do fun things with you whereas your own children just you know want to treat you poorly because they know you'll always love them <laughs> so, um so where were we going music yeah uh, yeah so yeah, what's so your background I, there I started writing music again, if you can call it that, probably when I was in middle school or even as a kid, we used to go out and like just sing and make up songs. And some of them are not terrible, but I kept writing a little bit. I started taking piano lessons when I was seven, uh, sorry, nine. So I can, I learned early on to read music and I'm really terrible at like classical piano. I can barely put two hands together unless I'm like really, really practice. I'm not someone that can like jam out on the piano or anything like that. But having learned a little guitar, then I started realizing like, oh, that's what that chord is. And, you know, it was stuff that I knew. I just never put it all together. Um, so I sing and play the keyboards. Um, I write probably like kind of folk, you know, singer songwriter type stuff. Um, but I don't get a lot of opportunity to play again. It's like, it's open mics and I don't practice enough. And I've recorded a few songs, but not for really any reason, except to, you know, have put something down. Um, so I've never done like an album or anything. I mean, I have enough songs to do that. And I just, I don't have the time really to play and put it together. So what I do now is I sing in a cover band 
And that's easy for me because I don't even have to learn the words half the time. I just need to know the song. <laughs> just kind of be like one of the front women of the of the band. I'm, I'm the only woman, but there are a couple other um, singers and people who kind of like take a prominent interaction with the audience role. Okay. So, so that's fun. So we have gigs like, you know, one or two a month for the summer into fall months. And then like that's we'll cool. do a Christmas show. So that's really fun. And um, you think you actually... might want to become, I'm sorry, like a female weird Al Yankovic then you can write humorous oh. songs. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I could probably do that. <laughs> I have thought about even, even a cover band, like having my own band and just being the person in charge. Like these are, this is how I want to arrange the song. This is the order that I want to sing them in. You know, I, like right now, I don't have a lot of creative license, which which has a, a major upside as well, because I don't have to think about anything except knowing the song. So I just, I show up with a mic and that's it. <laughs> so it's much like lower, um, you know, lower responsibility where I am now. So that fits in. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I don't know. I, you probably wanted to share something else and I didn't mean to deter you there with the weird Al thought. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, total opposite of weird Al. So I've also sung uh, kind of semi-professionally with the Allentown symphony chorus. Oh, wow. So there are a lot of very talented people in that group. A lot of trained singers, even if they're not working musicians now, they, you know, they trained in college. And um, so I just, I have a good ear and a good voice and decent rhythm. So I'm able to, to blend in with that group as well, even though I do feel a little underqualified at times, but um, you know, it's just a matter of learning the music. And again, reading music helps a lot. That gives you the foundation that you need to kind of jump in on anything. Well, that's very impressive. So you are multi-talented there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I could see Renaissance woman, you know, yeah, you could, you could put all of this stuff together. I could see this one woman show. Totally. It could oh, be could like a, a dancing some yes. yoga headstands. <laughs> yeah. That, Hey, you've got a lot there to work with, which is great. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you to go back to the humor for, for a little bit. Um, so one thing that, that really intrigued me when we did meet virtually, um, you know, we were just kind of casually chatting and, and then we did a writing exercise that night, but I love what you had said that night about like, even if you don't perform and too much, like if you don't get out there on stage, I love that you had said, you said something like I'm weaving the humor into my everyday life. And you even mentioned your professional life. I love that because a lot of times I'll encounter people where it's like, they don't, they wouldn't see the value in, in taking a workshop like that. You know, they're like, oh, I don't want to be a stand-up comedian. Why would I take that? Where I try to promote like with my business laugh to live and just in general that like having a sense of humor is not only healthy, but it, it helps us in everyday life with perspective, how we deal with things. Like there's just communicating, there's great value in it, but I'd love for them to hear from someone other than me. So like, how, what did you mean by that? Like, how are you using humor in your life and in your, your professional life? Cause when you think of lawyers, I know, you know, a lot of times they go oh, lawyer jokes, but it's not that it's, you are a lawyer and you are kind of working it into your, your career, your profession. So talk a little bit about that. If you don't mind. I think when people think of lawyers, they also think not funny. And, uh, and, and a lot, they'd be right. <laughs> so, there have definitely been times where I felt like I don't fit in at all with my peers because they're so freaking serious all the time. 
And they're just like thinking about like all these risks that shouldn't be taken or what do you think about this? And then they're basically like shitting on everything. And that's just not really my personality. And so I get a little of that like dissonance of, am I, do I belong here? So I crack jokes and like most people don't laugh at them. But, <laughs> but when I meet a fellow lawyer who does laugh at them, then like we have a bond. So I can think of a former colleague where, you know, we had offices right next to each other and we would just crack up all the time and no one else in the office would. <laughs> so, so basically I knew like make my jokes to Dan and just be serious with everyone else. Um, at that argument I was just mentioning where the judge fell asleep, there were a number of us attorneys who did go to the courthouse in person, but a lot is still being done over the phone and a number of parties were just attending by phone. And like under my breath, I'm just like rattling off jokes. And the guy next to me like did not crack a smile. Like I'm sure I was like the pesky class clown that he was like, okay, okay, we're serious here now. But you know, another guy right behind him, I saw, I caught him laughing. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I think it comes from if you don't laugh, you'll cry because as a parent to four young children, so my kids are now nine, seven, four, about to turn five and two about to turn three. So there, we have a lot of times where like life is just hard and it's taxing and it's exhausting. And there are so many messes to clean up. And sometimes you just have to, you have to laugh or you'll quit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's true in the legal field as well. For me, like I can't, I'm not going to be serious the whole time. So I'm just going to try to find my people who will laugh at my jokes. <laughs> but to your point there, like, you know, and that's an old saying too, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, but it is a form of like coping or however we want to, whatever word we want to use, because you can't, you simply cannot exist being serious all the time. And, you know, life is full of stress. I don't care who you are. It, it's how you handle that stress. So if a joke eases some tension, if it like makes you feel more relaxed, then you can, I mean, I think it helps you then be a better person. You know, I mean, you get, even if it just means getting through your day sometimes, you know, I mean, that's, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and that makes me think of another reason I kind of held back from getting into stand-up for a while is that I feel like I'm pretty good at just making a funny comment, despite what my friend thought about me, <laughs> but like <laughs> making a funny comment, like here and there as it comes along. Uh, and then, you know, putting that into a standup routine didn't seem like it would work, you know? So there's this challenge also of how do I make these little commentary things funny and how do I turn them into jokes? And that is something that the workshop helped teach me, like, how do you package that? And, you know, if you need to explain it too much, or there's too many words getting up to it, like too bad, that's not for your standup. That's for something else. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, I mean, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, we don't need to dissect too much, but there are a lot of people out there who can make like wisecracks or, you know, who, who are funny to their friends and like my like kind of pet peeve along that lines, there's this, this guy locally who thinks he's hysterical again, a man who and he is, he's charming. Right. But you know, my one friend's like, Oh, Janine, you should take him on the road. And I'm like, 
as what? <laughs> I'm like, you know, oh, he's like, he's going to open for you. I'm like, well, I mean, not to sound like I'm doing brain surgery or any of us comedians are, but there is a craft to it. Like you said, you had like taking the workshop, help you craft those jokes. So it's like, you can get up like those, those young men you referenced in the, in the uh, open mic, you can get up and just riff and you might get laughs, but that doesn't mean you're doing stand-up comedy and, or you're writing material. I mean, there is some skill that can be learned by attending like a workshop with Roya and Aaliyah to, to learn how to channel that into, to jokes. And like, you know, I mean, you might be charming and you might make people laugh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good at stand-up. You, you know, especially not if you just get up there and you're like, Oh, I'm going to tell some stories and they're going to just think I'm hilarious. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've seen a lot of that out there, mostly from men. <laughs> yeah. Have you sh- seen that show? I'm sorry. Oh, is that my gosh, what is her I name? I forget her name. Yes. Um, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a comedy writer and it's about her life. And she has a daughter who's like, yes. I don't know, five or six. And her husband's a lawyer. Uh, it's kind of funny. I feel like all three of those characters myself. <laughs> <laughs> and she writes with a male partner, I think, right. They have a yes. podcast or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she does. And it's, she's, she's so funny and just everything that she does. It's that's like, I, imagine myself as her. And I'm like, oh yeah, I could have my own show. Of course. No, but (laughs) (laughs) But whenever, you know, you talked about like weaving comedy into your life. And so I think about her show, I think about, I'm sorry. And what's funny and what gets laughs and what makes you just laugh? Because you're like, it's so true. Like that is my own life right now. Like I'm really just identifying what she's going through right now. So, you know, I try to just like recognize those moments in real life as well. So like one night, you know, we, my husband and I came home from somewhere and the powder room is right by, right next to our kitchen. And so he goes in the bathroom to take a leak, like right at the moment as I like get some water dispensed from the fridge. (laughs) This is funny. (laughs) Like this juxtaposition right now. (laughs) So I'm like, that's going in my show. (laughs) Maybe one day, you know, I'll have enough to put together into like one pilot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right that she's very funny. That is. And I could see how you could see the parallels in your life. And that's, I mean, that's great when you are like, oh my God, that's, I get it. Like, that's my life. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. Um, any other, before we wrap up, I just wanted to make sure that, um, you had an opportunity. If there, is there anything else that you wanted to, to say or to talk about? Is this where I'm supposed to like inspire people or something? <laughs> Didn't I tell you that in the contract? It was that in the writer <laughs> that is a writer. <laughs> you told me nothing. I came into this completely blind. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> no, you don't have to have like, so let me just leave you with these final. No, you don't have yes, to at all. <laughs> Some bomo. Uh, well, you know, I, I think that comedy does sound intimidating. But if you just take some steps to prepare, then you can do it. Like, I would hate to see anyone else hold back from it because they feel like, oh, I'm not funny enough. Or I just don't know if anyone's thinking about whether it's stand up or improv or, or any other opportunity to just be funny. Um, there's only you holding you back, I think. Yeah. Good job with the inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. And there's so many supportive people. I mean, I can't believe how 
easy it was for me to become part of this Lehigh Valley stand-up women's group. I mean, I, Lisa's going to babysit for my kids now. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to mention Lisa before she said when I met thanks to this group too, I follow her travels all over on social media. (laughs) So I think, you know, just to be, uh, to be part of this, this group that just like holds you up and um, it's really encouraging. It's really great. And it's definitely going to help me like stay on the path of like, yes, keep writing jokes and keep getting out there when you can. And maybe, you know, it's going to be later in life that I can really do it some more when I've got a little more free time, but at the same time, like, don't wait because I don't know. What if you're dead? (laughs) That could be your next special. What if you're dead? (laughs) Yeah. What if you're dead? And it's like a dark turn, but, um, But, you know, you do, you do think about that stuff and why put it off? No, I agree wholeheartedly. I turned 50 this past September and I'm not one to shy from birthdays. So I'm like, you know, and the more people I talk to, it's just, you know, you could go down that dark path when you see what's going on in the world and like in our country and how people are so divided and there's so much this, that, and the other. And there is no reason to like, because we're not guaranteed anything. We're not guaranteed or promised tomorrows. And, you know, I mean, that's all cliche, but it is true. And I love that you said, like, what you said is like, you're the only one holding yourself back. That's the absolute truth. Because at the end of the day, who cares if your colleagues or your family is telling you, oh, that's stupid. Who cares? Who cares what they think? I mean, if you want to learn to write comedy, if you want to perform, go out there and do it. Because as long as you're, I always say, if you're not hurting anybody, then go after what it is you want to be. Don't, don't fulfill your dream to be a serial killer, obviously, but fulfill your dream to do something good. (laughs) Dream about being a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are always going to be naysayers and just like, don't be your own worst naysayer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is the truth. And I mean, that's, that's, again, that's a common thing, right? Like who's the one that's in our heads, us, you know, I know for myself, I, I, I fall down many rabbit holes where I'm telling myself a story that never even happened. And it's like, you know, this person wasn't happy with what I did and that's why they're not getting back to me or blah, blah, blah. We need to stop that stuff. Cause it's yeah. just, it's tiring and it hurts. <laughs> it's like a I lot think of that work. even happened with you and me. I tried to, uh, respond with some dates to do this podcast. And I tried to send you my stand-up set and it got lost somewhere. And then you thought I didn't want to come on your show, which was totally wrong. <laughs> That's true. No, seriously. Cause I was like, yeah. Cause I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to perform at my show in May. And of course I launch into all this stuff that I'm like, Oh Jesus. She probably thought, well, who the hell is this? Why is she telling me what her quote unquote rules are for performing? And I'm like, I, I said too much. I, I talked too much. I <laughs> overshared in my email. Now she doesn't even want to do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, thanks. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't at all. I was like, that would be amazing. I just, kids, they're in the way. <laughs> Damn kids. Yes. Yes. And they are not invited to the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. No, no, nobody wants them there. Myself, most importantly. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you. And, um, definitely keep on. I hope you get to keep on doing this, um, wherever you can fit it into your life and, and keep making those jokes, no matter who laughs, who cares. I think that's great. I think that's great. Thank you. And you're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. So that you've been listening to Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. My guest this week was Elizabeth Marcon, also known as Liz, Lizzie, Diz, Dizzy, whatever, (laughs) a lot of different names. Someone who has multi-talents, beautiful voice, does 
work in a cover band. So if you ever see her out there, just make sure you say hello, tell her you heard her on Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. Maybe you'll get to see some of her stand up sometime and just, you know, take a note from what uh, Liz is saying and, you know, go after what you want to do. And if you want to create some comedy, the world needs more of it. Don't be afraid. And I know we live in times where it's so difficult to know what's funny, what's not funny, offensive, all that. And we didn't even get into that, but we certainly need use it for yourself to cope use it to help others, you know, use it to get laughs because we need to, to promote more laughter in the world. And it is national humor month. So I do hope that you take opportunities to enjoy some laughter for yourself. It is good for the mind, the body, and the spirit. So thank you so much for listening to an episode of uncorked with funny wine girl. This has been funny wine girl. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass.